All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's been a minute. It's been a seriously hot goddamn minute. It's been a minute, mainly because I've had exams on, so we missed one week, but we're coming back at you with the Rap 18. Uh, it's a dynamic duo, again. I got uh, Andos the Mandos sitting opposite me. How are you? Not bad, mate. You know how it be. We're getting towards the end of the term, about to be on holidays. We've got big teams coming around next term, so we're always working. We're always grinding, but we're pushing on. Now, if you're new to the Rap, uh, what we do is we give you the best news stories from the week. Uh, it's a weekly podcast. We give you the domestic and international stories. We have some fun along the way. Uh, and we relieve you of the job of having to sift through uh, all that fake news domestic stories. But the way to kick us off, as always, is we do a jumping to conclusions. In honor of the wives and girlfriends who love to jump to conclusions without the facts, uh, we've got Andy and Dukes here to pay homage. You know how, B, we're respecting the females. That's so what you got here. for this week? What's your jump into conclusions? My conclusion is that there is a direct correlation between pop stars cutting their hair and their music becoming bad. Ooh, like the Kardashian curse, but for hairstyles. Exactly. So the recent, the one that sort of brought it up was that uh, Katy Perry released a new Katie song. Katy Perry. <laughs> and it what sucks. She's, I just... Bring back the old Katy, the country Katy Perry. Katie, no, I don't, not, never sure. She wasn't country. She's like California girls, Katy. She's West Coast. <laughs> like bit of a bad Sheila. Should should give it to you straight, but the problem all right, is, all right, all right, all right. You got to pause that. You got to pause right. that because we're going to see if we explore it at the end. We're going to see. My conclusion is actually that Machiavelli gets a very bad rap in uh, in the culture, and that he's actually a really good guy. Um, but I'm happy to go with Katy Perry. Look, um, Machiavelli. It does get thrown around a lot in, uh, I'd say, HSC English a lot. It does. Um, my only experience with Machiavelli is that he's a conniving, bad type of guy. No, um, he's actually a pretty good guy. Actually, IMO. Look, I'm I'm not sure. I think there's we've actually had one week where both of us have brought a really good conclusion to the table. I want to hear uh, you trashing on the pop stars with short hair, though. Look, well, there hasn't the pop been stars a, with the lesbian haircuts. There hasn't been a sport <laughs> got that Captain Marvel look. <laughs> What's that chick's name? Uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. I don't know what that personal trainer's doing, I'm telling you that. <laughs> What's she getting paid for, Bob? Um, but yeah, we haven't had a sports and culture report in a while, so we might just sort of integrate it into the... Uh, mate, can I tell you, I don't think we're going to have time. We've got that yeah. many big stories today. Usually we do one domestic story, one international story, and a beta male of the week as well in there. But this week we have one domestic story and three international stories, mainly because it's been accumulation of two weeks into this one week. But all three international stories have to be talked about uh, this week. There was basically none that we could cut. Uh, and that's actually a consequence of us giving you the real news. And one of the good things about being on a podcast is that... Um, we don't have to uh, stick to the demands of the corporate uh, media we powerhouses. We ain't selling out to we no one. We can do one. whatever we want. Uh, so Donald we're going to do. Style. So what we're going to do first? We're going to have Israel Folau and the crowdfunding saga. We're going to have um, the recent almost war between U.S. and Iran and why Donald Trump uh, is the king. Uh, we're going to have uh, the Hong Kong protests, and we're also going to have the massacres in Sudan, which nobody's talking about. Uh, so we also have a development in the Jussie Smollett. We also have a development in the Jussie Smollett case because we can't miss that either. Long-time fans of the show will know us up. Now, we're broadcasting this out of uh, 
in 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 our garage on the ping pong table because we're moving houses. Well, well, I'm moving out, and all the tables that were used to going into the place I'm going into. Um, that Patreon money could not come in quicker. Shout out to the Patreons. If you want to become a Patreon, you can hit the link in the description. Um, you like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. If all you, that good stuff. If you want to give us a little bit of money, go to Patreon as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back. Uh, we are going to, I think, keep the, the rap audio only from uh, now on, uh, unless we get a production guy in, which we might well do. But uh, Andy, why don't you kick us off with the Israel Folau story? Now, we know that boy got fired from mm. Australian white rugby, right? Yeah, we have um, we have covered it uh, a little bit before in a previous rap. I'm not sure which one, but... Overall, really, he got axed by Rugby Australia um, for an Instagram post where it quotes uh, the Bible, Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. And it says... Yeah, and also I think everybody probably knows who Israel yeah. Folau is and what's, hap- what's the deal with the crowdfunding for this week. Well, the deal with the crowdfunding is, right, Izzy is tried to create a GoFundMe page in which people would donate for his legal fees, right? Because going to court costs... A whole bunch of money, um, even for a rich and famous person like Izzy, it do be smacking the wallet a little bit. It do leave a big hole in there. So he was setting up a GoFundMe page. Uh, the goal was three million dollars, right? On the first day, the GoFundMe ra- page raised seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars before GoFundMe shut it down, right? The um, GoFundMe Australia's country manager, Nicola Britton, said that the company does not tolerate the promotion the promotion of discrimination and exclusion that's the reason behind israel flowers gofundme getting uh taken down by gofundme uh so the page itself set a bit of a precedent there but um in a further development the australian christian lobby set up a front a fundraiser on their website um, and donated a hundred thousand dollars to it themselves for his legal battle um, the reasoning behind this from the Australian Christian lobby is that the precedent that it would set for religious freedoms, right? They're sort of saying we don't want to live in a world where you can't express like Christian beliefs um, and then get fired for it pretty much. And at the time of the podcast, as we're recording now, the total is just shy of $1.4 million in about a day. So that's where the situation currently stands. Um, Israel Flower is more than happy for the Australian Christian Lobby to do this. He's probably laughing all his way uh, to, to the bank, but it to is being used It is being used for his uh, legal expenses as he is going to the Fair Work Commission to see how the case pans out and see if he can get a $10 million payout for, like, damages. Lost income and stuff. Lost income, like, just unlawful dismissal, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is uh, it is interesting the it, for exclusion and discrimination as the reason why they gave for taking Flow off the platform. Um, when there's the, the the argument from the Christians is that Flow was excluded and discriminated uh, based on his religious beliefs and what might be mainstream religious beliefs for a lot of Australians. Now, I'm not one who necessarily holds those religious beliefs, and I think the ones he chose to express in particular might not have been very nice. In fact, they might have been a bit mean. Um, two, among other people, uh, a group of people who uh, have a dissimilar sexuality to Israel. 
Um, but among them, uh, drunkards and I think like lazy people. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think most Australians would probably be on that list if they were honest. Uh, I'm pre- I, I think I would be. Adulterers, uh, idolatry people. Idolater, idolatry. Idolaters, I, I, I think <laughs> is the word. I'm not sure. Idolaters. Um, yeah, most people would be on the list, but there's definitely a heightened sensitivity towards, um, towards when you talk about gayness. Homosexual... <laughs> homosexuality i think i think uh what gets lost in the post um is that of course the bit that everyone talks about is the hell awaits you bit right and of that course was in big capital then, letters now, which was the emphasis point on the post i thought oh i might just get it up now Look, but you can get it up. i, I think, understand yeah, i think what are you gonna the say? bit that gets uh yeah the hell awaits you is probably the most prominent um from the from the post but the bit underneath it where it says repent only Jesus saves leads me to believe it's not quite as malicious as what it has been made out to be. Obviously, uh, probably not a smart move doing it. Um, a little bit, you know. No, I, I I disagree with you a little bit. I think that the hell awaits you part and the underneath in the fine print, only Jesus can save you. Whatever. I mean, if we had, um, if there was like anybody who criticizes Muhammad. Uh, is going to burn for eternity, repent, and only Allah will save you. If we had that from um, Sonny Bill Williams, I think there would be quite a few people who are a bit um, who'd be iffy about that. But at the same time, I think that if somebody uh, said something like that, I think you would probably get a reversal in the people arguing for exclusion and stuff. People would be saying that that's an invasion of religious yeah. freedoms, maybe. Uh, like you'd get a, like almost a role reversal where like all the people who are arguing for Falau would be arguing against Sonny Bill and all the people arguing uh, will and vice versa. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Um, I think I don't know as much about the Quran as I should, but from my understanding of the Bible, I think a lot of the like underlying message is that uh, that pretty much what you said before and the fact that most of us would be on this list, right? And I think pretty much, in my opinion, my perspective on the Bible is that everyone's a sinner. Um, anyone who's a sinner has the same chance of going to heaven as like a camel through the eye of the needle is pretty, I think, what the scripture says. So what it means essentially is that if you like repent and like pray to God, like any, any sinner can go to heaven no matter what you've done. Um, and from my understanding, that makes me sort of less... Uh, more hesitant to completely bash Falau on like the the hell awaits you bit. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but you could easily take that same set of facts and uh, reframe that as uh, if you don't do what we say, um, you're going to get you're going to get burnt alive for the rest of the existence of God, right? Uh, which billions and trillions of years, right? In the most uh, torturous pain imaginable, unless you do what we say. Right, same same set of facts, yeah. but different way to reframe it. Yeah, um, um, but you, you brought up a point last time we were talking about it, which is if you don't believe in it, why would you care? Well, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I said it's it's not very nice, is what I said. That's fair. Um, that's... Yeah, in the same way that some people would have a problem with it if Sonny Bill Williams said anybody who criticizes uh, the Quran will be uh, burnt alive in the most terrible pain imaginable for billions of years. Right. That would not go unnoticed. Um, but Sonny Bill hasn't done it, just to use Sonny Bill as a hypothetical example. 
Um, but the GoFundMe part in particular is where I get a bit nervous. We have seen PayPal take away Tommy Robinson's bank account. Uh, I think there's been other bank accounts being suspended. I get a bit pretty nervous when financial institutions start deciding the political ex- the acceptability of somebody's political opinions. I think that's dangerous because I think when you deprive somebody of uh, a bank account um, or, or a way to raise revenue, that does become a bit scary. Now, as a private thing, uh, what is it, GoFundMe, I'm happy kind of for you to do your own thing, as I'm happy for f- kind of... Um, Rugby Australia. Rugby Australia to do your own thing. I'm also happy for Falao to go and contest it. Um, but I've been pretty, um, like, cringe at a lot of the posts I've seen from, like, people I know or, or people I have acquaintances with, mutual acquaintances, who've been sharing this stuff around on Facebook saying, like, uh, Israel Falao doesn't deserve your uh, GoFundMe money. These terminally ill kids do. And it's like, bro, I know you're not donating to these terminally ill kids. I know you're just sharing this damn post on Facebook. Get a little bit of that Facebook um, clout. Let get a little bit of that Facebook clout, get some likes, and um, dude, Israel should be able to raise money for whatever he wants. It's not like he's raising money for a terrorist group. He's raising money to fight an unfair dismissal case, which may or may not have just you know grounds of justification. Um, and what you're doing is uh, you're putting your own version of moral acceptability. Uh, onto 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 the case and i don't think it's uh i don't think it's helpful like i'd be very happy if um some communist got an unfair dismissal because of he was a communist and i I wouldn't be happy if gofundme decided that they were going to shut off the the crowdfunding for his legal fees or her legal fees or their legal fees i think it's um quite funny how now a lot of people pulling out uh like rugby australia gofundme uh, like their own private entity they can do whatever they want who are the same people who were saying like the the people who wouldn't bake uh, cakes for gay weddings shouldn't be able to do that. Um, yeah. I think there are like, and it, it happens on both sides of politics really. I'm probably guilty of it myself where we like don't hold the standards to the same, uh, hold, don't hold people to the same standards just based on like political alliances or whatever. But like stuff like that annoys me where we can't have like, where there's just genuine hypocrisy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm happy to leave it there because we got some big stories we to got, come. we got some bigger stories. Um, so we're going to yeah. move on to the international story. But for now, do you want to nominate uh, any beta males of the week from that story? Yeah, GoFundMe definitely gets a nomination. Um, because in reality, they should let Israel Folau have that. They should let him have it. Also, if they're going to uh, do this, then they should also monitor other uh, pages that may or may not like be exclusionary or whatever the terms they used were like yeah okay yeah all right go find me they're nominated for the beta mail of the week uh now the story i'm going to bring you is that uh during the week iran and us came within a lot of people would say 10 minutes of a potentially full-blown war uh after iran um so and so let me I'll take it back a few steps and tell tell you how we got to that point and then context, the ramifications yeah. of that, okay? So at uh, 4.05 a.m. on the 19th of June, uh, 2019, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, which I assume is a branch of the Iranian military, managed to destroy an RQ-4A Global Hawk surveillance drone, an American one which was flying around near Iran. 
now this drone, right? This drone is very legit. The RQ4A Global Hawk. Look that, look that bad boy up. Bring it um, up, Jamie. It needs three people to remotely pilot it and its sensors. It has a wider wingspan and a Boeing 737 with, uh, and also has a, a Rolls-Royce engine. It flies at uh, 800 kilometers per hour and at 20,000 meters in the air. Uh, it's also supposed to have a radar warning receiver um, and uh, be able to jam like missile systems and, and have a decoy trail behind it in case it gets a missile shot at it. Uh, and evidently, um, it didn't do a great job of that. Uh, with the Iranian, called two hundred and twenty million bucks. Well, my understanding costs. is one hundred and ten mil. Um, anyway, this is a, this is an expensive piece of kit. One hundred and ten, two hundred mil, whatever it is, it's a lot of money for one. And the the program itself, not like just the the hardware, the program itself, I'm fairly certain is where the actual okay. big money is. Well, it, it, that could be right, right? That's an expensive piece of kit. Um, now. Um, in retaliation, right? Now, now, first thing I actually want to say before that is that uh, Iran said the reason why it shot the drone down um, is because it was flying in Iranian airspace. Uh, America said it was flying in international airspace. Um, both Iran and the US produced maps with the coordinates of where it's saying this drone was hit. And depending on which nationality you have is the basically the the way you come to the decision on where on earth this drone was hit. Uh, but the truth is, no, I, I can't find anybody who actually knows. Um, but either way, what we do understand is that this drone would have been conducting surveillance on Iran. Um, now, as a uh, reaction, the US had prepared a military a, a strike on the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, and within 10 minutes of the strike taking place, Donald Trump asked the question how many people would get killed. Uh, the answer was about 150. So Donald Trump called off the strikes uh, 10 minutes before they happened, which is uh, unprecedented, uh, surprising, bold, weak. Some people would use a range of different adjectives to describe that decision, among them humanitarian as well. Okay. So instead, um, the US launched a cyber attack on Iranian military computers. They disabled computer systems that controlled Iran's rockets and missile launches. Um, and that was the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps computer system. Um, as well as that, Trump uh, launched new tariffs, uh, which will deny uh, Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei and several other top officials access to financial resources. Um, the measures mean that any foreign financial institutions that provide significant financial services to any of the Iranian officials would be subject to US penalties. Um, now this comes in the broader context of two oil tankers blown up by mines seemingly planted by Iran's elite revolutionary guard uh, earlier this month, uh, as well as uh, an Iranian nuclear deal, which the US is currently not a part of. We basically know that Iran wants to develop nukes if they can. Uh, they're going pretty hard on it because basically once a country develops nukes, there's not much the US can do to them, which is the case in North Korea where it's a stalemate. Um, if Iran can get there, that means they'll have a lot more power to kind of do whatever they want in the region. Uh, so naturally, that's what they want. Um, and the US is doing their, going to do their absolute best to stop them. Um, the leaders, the uh, Ayatollahs, the religious leaders of Iran, 
uh, often go around and they go to rallies and there's a lot of death to America, death to Israel. These type of chants, these type of yeah, chants, um, I think one would be silly not to take them at face value. Um, and uh, they are not the best players. Now, Saudi Arabia is not the best player either who, who we're friends with. Um, but there's that context in there. And there's a good chance that the tankers and the, in my opinion, there's a good chance that the tankers and the um, and, and the drone shooting down were um, <clears throat> uh, potentially intentional by the US. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to start a military war with Iran before they get nukes to take out their nuclear capabilities or their potential nuclear capabilities. Um, and I would just draw your mind back to uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident in the 1970s where the US made up totally fabricated an attack on a US ship as an excuse to enter the Vietnam War. That is not controversial. That is declassified. The last thing I would say before I get Andos's reaction and we have a little discussion is some of the media coverage, right? Previously, um, a lot of traditionally left media has been anti-intervention and it's been kind of the right wing, which is pro-intervention. Yeah, like the hawks and the doves um, type of... The hawks and the doves. Um, but since Donald Trump is anti-intervention, um, you've basically had a swap because they hate Donald Trump more than they are committed to any principles. Um so the ABC comes out and says Donald Trump's plan to bomb Iran shows a strategy gap. Um, and the New York Times article was Trump's Iran reversal raises allies' doubts over his tactics and US power, right? So instead of saying, hey, great job, Donald, you didn't kill 150 Iranians, um, they said that uh, Donald Trump uh, is weak and uh, indecisive, right? That, that's the take. Andos, what's, uh, do you have any reactions to any different parts of that in particular? Well, uh, my first reaction would be uh, the fact that a global leader who could have so easily, uh, as we all do pretty much, take for granted the lives of 150 people halfway across the world, um, I think that if you're going to put an importance on that uh, to like go against a full military operation which was about to go on, I think you get props for that. In the fact that, like, if like 150 people were killed in America, it'd be this huge tragedy. Um, but if it happens in Iran, then it's like no big deal, essentially. And so it sort of brings me back to like, as a modern history student myself, the the quote that one death is a tragedy, but like a million is a statistic. Like once we start getting into these unknowns, where like the numbers get larger, or that. Um, like it happens in a different place like all these other sort of variables where it's not quite as close to home um, then we take it a lot more for granted um, so the fact that uh, we are actually valuing the lives of these 150 people that could have been killed um, whatever their like motives are um, is I think a probably a good outcome um, my second reaction uh, is similar to yours in the fact that uh, the American government is known for shady practices. Uh, the tentacles of the deep state. The tentacles are of the deep woven state. into this story. Yeah, and we have to um, disentangle it. Like the Gulf of Tonkin, like even dealings in South America and like Nicaragua, um, other places like that where we have um, some real shady dealings. And once, um, like we have these declassified documents that come out, I think it's fifty years later. We actually like 
once again we don't realize the like importance and the the scale of what actually has happened back then and um i think it is the healthy suspicion you have is something that mm. i think um, and i mean it's not um bad in bad bad in in finger finger quotations yeah, intelligence um which in my opinion was probably on purpose uh has happened in in the middle east i mean the idea that saddam hussein had weapons of mass destruction uh led to a full-scale invasion of the middle east uh, which destabilized the region created isis uh, among other things and a whole lot of extra terrorists that the world didn't really need um and so I think uh, we should be very cautious, very, very cautious against intervention. Um, and I think, uh, and and but the truth is, I think nobody's um, more capable of coming to a great deal than than the Don. It's the art of the deal, isn't it? It's the art of the deal. Go read the book if you want to understand that man. Yeah. Um, okay, fantastic. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with that story. We can leave it there because we got a, we still got a couple more big stories to cover. Get going. All right. So Iran, deep state, few Done. few things we don't know, uh, but we'll, we'll leave it there. You'll keep you updated. Um, okay. Cool. Well, I'm going to actually nominate. I think um, the uh, I'm going to nominate for a beta male award the RQ4A Global Hawk surveillance drone for getting shot down by the Iranian military. <laughs> Uh, I think that it's obviously not that good of a drone and uh, it shouldn't be it's a hundred hundred $200 million dollar uh, piece of garbage Look, it's right a, now it's a nice test run it's a nice, nice test run well, not see, see how the uh, yeah. operation is going you're about to see the uh, Iranian military working as hard as they can to um, reverse engineer and understand that drone oh, and maybe yeah. build some of their own oh yeah um, Andos what do you got about Jussie Smollett because he's our beta male of the week award is named in favour of Jussie Smollett, the beta male of the universe, uh, and we've had some recent developments in that story. Yeah, so uh, I think we, uh, if you've seen the rap before, even if you haven't, uh, you'd probably know a little bit about the context. Uh, pretty much, he faked some, ha- he faked a hate crime. Is essentially uh, this this actor Jussie Smollett. Uh, so a new development in the case has come across now in that a Cook County judge ordered on Friday that a special prosecutor review the dismissal of all charges against Jussie Smollett. Yeah, get it. Um, so, yeah, so what happened was uh, Ms. Fox... Kim uh, Fox. Kim Fox, the state attorney in Chicago, uh, dropped all the charges without providing any rationale, uh, yeah. which was a little bit suspicious. I think we pick him up for a hate crime, for uh, si- signalling two white people two white trump supporters when the people he hired to do it were black yeah that's got to be a hate crime yeah and those um got to be a hate crime well the uh the files in the police cam video came out today of the two brothers who he paid getting uh arrested coming back from nigeria um they took a short holiday after the hate crime yeah where they they got paid (laughs) 3500 bucks by jussie 35 big ones and now they're suing jussie for uh defamation yeah, suing their attorney for defamation so it, uh, go get them boys uh, so essentially um, they ain't white <laughs> they don't want to be taught white <laughs> no comment uh, the new investigation could potentially lead to Smollett being recharged by a special prosecutor um, the judge Michael Tooman said that even though uh, state attorney Kim Fox has uh, recused herself from the case she didn't have the quote, legal authority to then delegate that responsibility to her top deputy. 
Yeah. Um, Look, I, I would get a I would get a special prosecutor into Kim Fox as well. Yeah, that's so the part of the case, uh, the investigation of the case will likely lead to a probe into the ethics of how Fox's office handled the case. Get them all. Get them. Get get them up. They're all little puppets. Lord, they say puppets. Jazzy Smollett should be strung up for a hate crime, um, and uh, totally faked it. And one of the real tragedies in the case is that. Um, you had uh, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, among other uh, mainstream pres- uh, presidential candidates for the Democrats, come out and talk about how big of a travesty this was as soon as Jussie came out um, and uh, talked about it. And then uh, as soon as we realise it's totally fake uh, and the police say it's totally fake, when asked about it, they both say, oh, well, we need to sit back and wait for the facts to come in. So they're happy to jump on... Uh, how bad white supremacy and racism is in America against black people, but when it's uh, reversed the other way, suddenly it's uh, it's not a big deal. Um, and like that's not to say that that either narrative is right or wrong. What that is is to show the impulse of certain politicians to reinforce or ignore facts uh, and relevant cases to suit their own narrative. And that's what we fight against here. We try to do our best to consider both sides, even though we don't get it right all the time. But when we don't get it right, you know, we own up to it and we try to fix it uh, instead of these uh, instead of these, these presidential weeks. candidates, presidential candidates and celebrities who jump out in support of Jussie. And then when it's proven wrong and he's just trying to uh, throw a couple of white guys in Chicago in a in a blizzard under the bus to get a pay rise, um, you know, that's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, very well said. Uh, in addition to the story, uh, as I said, the f- a bunch of files, police body cam footage has been released. Uh, the main one that's being uh, that's going around, that's doing the rounds, is when the police go into Jussie's apartment, and it's such. In my opinion, it's just a cringe. Uh, he he keeps the the noose around his neck well he puts the noose around his yeah. neck and then keeps it on waiting for the police to come and then the police come and say do you want to take that off and he goes yeah but i just wanted you guys to see it and then um when he gets informed that they're like video- recording the audio and the video he just sort of freezes a little bit and he goes oh like i'd really prefer it if you didn't do that uh, yeah so you also get a horrific grade for acting jesse smollett bad actor Bad actor, beta male of the universe. He's getting nominated this week. Kim Fox is getting one. Kim Fox, her whole department's getting one. And a big hero, <laughs> the big hero of the week, uh, Judge Michael Tooman. Tooman, Tooman, shout out, alpha dog. He's got just uh, Tooman Gloomin for the Smollett Fox and the rest of the crew. Oh, dude, these meddling kids are going to get brought oh to justice. Oh, my God, the meddling kids are just completely unwrapped one of the infinite tentacles of the deep state. Oh, dude, we're, we're going to go and get him. We're going to go and get him. So I'm happy with that. There's a bunch of nominations there. Okay, but there's there's more nominations coming. You bet your bottom dollar there's more. Okay, coming. Hong Kong. We're going to Hong Kong. Big protest. Now, I have to declare a little bit of a conflict of interest in that uh, I have been in the past recipient of significant sums of money from the uh, Chinese government in Beijing, uh, and I fully intend to receive more money in the future uh, in the form of scholarships, education, uh, language, tuition, and the like. Um, but nonetheless, uh, when no, uh, when uh, freedom calls, uh, I will be there to answer. And so we're going to cover the Hong Kong story as best we can. You're the hero uh, we uh, we need, but not the one we deserve, Dougal. That's exactly exactly right. 
Um, so there's been big protests, millions of people in the streets of Hong Kong. Andy, why don't you look up how many people Hong Kong's actually got in it? Because it's a little city, uh, a little uh, little town. It's, uh, the Hong Kong population is uh, it's it's seven point four million. Seven point four. All right. Um, if, you, if you're ever in Hong Kong, check out the uh, the markets. Fake markets got some good good things. Good things in there. That's yeah, not bad. Shrink in the wash though. Um, <laughs> so to there, there was a bill. There was a bill, and I think there's some more stuff in it. But the controversial part of it was extradition, right? So I think if you get in trouble in Hong Kong or uh, you might you might get sent to um, to Beijing or back to mainland China where the uh, judicial system is not as independent from the government and there's a good chance you might not get the same fair trial you might have got in Hong Kong. Um, there are quite a few cases of people disappearing in China. Nobody really knows what's happened Some, to them. Uh, kangaroo court Not action. as much transparency. People might remember the book, uh, the book people or the bookshop owners who had a lot of books which were critical of the Chinese government and then a bunch of them all randomly at the same time got uh, disappeared. They got disappeared. There's a bunch of people in Xinjiang who've uh, disappeared in the political re-education camps. Um, so there's there's not a real nice separation of the uh, of the legal procedures from from the political procedures in mainland China as there is in Hong Kong. Now, that being said, Hong Kong used to be a British colony, is my understanding, up until 1997 at which point it was transferred back to uh, the Communist Party um, under a 50-year, one-country, two-systems deal is what it's called. Where basically, the plan is to transition Hong Kong from like a British colony to a uh, mainland Chinese city. Now, the problem with that is under the British law, the Hong Kongers enjoyed a whole lot of freedoms uh, and institutions that they just won't get under a Beijing uh, led system uh, freedoms like um, <clears throat> freedom of speech uh, like fair courts um, I think they'd have a democracy even though they the Queen would have still been in charge of them um, and uh, Hong Kong so Hong Kong right now is by far and away the most liberal city under the Communist Party control um, but there's this process that, that is planned to happen where um, where they, they transfer into a full Chinese city with the same regulations as normal Chinese cities. Um, but right now they're the most liberal. Okay, so there's this extradition bill. They wanted to say, so if you get in trouble in, in Hong Kong, then you can get sent over to mainland China for your trials, right? So an initial protest drew up to 1 million people. What's that? That's like... That's just under a seventh of just, the population. Just under a seventh of the population, right? It's the biggest protest the city had seen since the handover. Student activists called a snap protest days later. The following days, tens of thousands of students amassed in Hong Kong, blocking roads and threatening to try to occupy the local parliament. By late afternoon, riot police were moving in with tear gas, pepper spray and rubber bullets. A few days later, another massive protest with a turnout of almost two million people, which is, if my math is correct, two-sevenths almost two-sevenths two uh, of the population. It was a peaceful march with young old uh, and young people, old people, and families. Um, the government backed down, announcing an indefinite delay to the extradition bill and an apology for how it was handled. Protesters are planning more rallies and are demanding the resignation of the chief executive, whose name, I believe, is Carrie Lam. Yeah, Carrie Lam, this chick. All right. 
people are worried in Hong Kong because as well as this big bill, this big extradition bill, there have been a few cases uh, in recent history where, which made Hong Kong people a bit frightened. Um, so, for example, there have been laws jailing people who mock the uh, national anthem or insult the flag. Um, and uh, they're scared of for their free speech, right? So they're campaigning against extradition, but they're also campaigning against uh, a few of these new laws, right? Um, so the people are still protesting, and there's um, they basically have four demands, even though the extradition bill has been suspended. First, a complete withdrawal of the extradition bill so that they just do not talk about it ever again. It uh, doesn't get debated anymore. Second is... Uh, the revocation of the term riot to describe the 12th of June protests. So the one where the police used tear gas and rubber bullets and uh, whatever, uh, they the government regard that as a riot instead of a peaceful protest. So they want that protest to be recognised as peaceful. Third, the release of all detained activists from the protest. And fourth, the investigation of police violence during the protests, right? So... More protests planned in Hong Kong and Japan ahead of the Osaka G20 summit. Uh, however, the protest plans uh, have come as Chinese Assistant Foreign Minister Zhang Jun said that China will not allow discussion of Hong Kong at the global meeting of world leaders. Okay, so that's the situation we're at now, waiting for the G20, seeing if Xi Jinping will get pinned for it. Um, anything could really happen. Yeah, I wonder what the, the backlash would be from China if someone... Just... Well, there has been some uh, Chinese... China throwing their weight around a little bit in terms of sanctions um, on different countries uh, or well, not sanctions, but tariffs. Like, China's a big trading partner for most countries and if China decides to whack a whole bunch of tariffs so that if you're a little, like, European country or you can't sell your, and you can't sell your goods into China, that'll significantly hurt you. Um, and they could do the same to Australia, although China is also quite reliant on a lot of Australian stuff, uh, especially considering the trade war they have with America. Um, so I think a lot of it will depend on what America, how America wants to play it, because uh, America is quite naturally sympathetic to the Hong Kongers, in my estimation, who want to have a bit more freedom, a bit more democracy, a bit more independence. Yeah, I'd say uh, proud of the people in this one. Uh, go protest go make sure your voices are heard um, well the other thing I would say is that you get these student protesters who are doing this thing against the extradition bill launching really powerful protests uh, up to 2 million they're organising it uh, they're you know according to the reports they're handing out gas masks handing out food and water um, to the protesters and the families and even the, the news media who've flown in to, to do it um, but our protesters in our universities are protesting Jordan Peterson uh, and Bettina Art. Uh, so it looks like Hong Kong have way better protesters than us. Look, they are uh, miles ahead of us in terms of education, so it doesn't uh, surprise me one bit that mm. the uh, these Hong Kongese students are going and smashing Hong Kongese, I think it's Hong Kong, Hong Konger? Is it? I, I would... You would say Hong Kongese. I would say Hong Kongese. Let us know in the comments what what you guys think it is. I've got one of my good buddies is uh, was born in Hong Kong, so I'll ask him about it. Um, you say one of your Hong Kongese buddies. One of my Hong Kongese. Well, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it really matters. Just as long as everyone knows that you go bonkers in honkers. Go bonkers in honkers. All right. Um. Very cool. 
Well, I think we're making quite good progress on these stories because we're conscious. There's not a lot of dribbling going on, as there usually is. And I think we're going to do well for time because we only got one more story, which is Sedan. And this is the biggest, in my opinion, but also the messiest story. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I think we're making sure that we're uh, very sensitive on this topic, I think. Yeah, well, we have to be, but uh, let, me give you, let me give you my rundown. Uh, so in April, the country's president, uh, Omar al-Bashir, was ousted after 30 years under his military dictatorship, right? Military dictatorship for 30 years. His military dictatorship overthrew the last democratically elected government 30 years ago. Okay, so that's Omar al-Bashir. He's a, he's a player you need to remember. Um, he's also an indicted war criminal wanted by the International Criminal Court for the Genocide in Darfur. That genocide, also known as the Land Cruiser War, has 80,000 to 500,000 deaths estimated. Nobody really knows. It's very hard to get statistics from this region of the world, which will be a running theme throughout this story. However, Omar al-Bashir was betrayed by his right-hand men, General Abdel Fattah al-Bahan of the Sudanese military and his deputy Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, or better known as Hamaditi the head of the notorious Rapid Support Forces, the RSF. I'll say that again. The Rapid Support Forces, RSF, is the one who overthrew the President al-Bashir. And the Rapid Support Forces was also the uh, militant group, uh, as far as I'm aware, that was um, the people who perpetrated the genocide in Darfur in the Land Cruiser War, right? So you got some tough, crazy, bad mofos who have just overthrown the president and wait. So they told news sources that these two people, the right-hand men, uh, Hamaditi and uh, Abdel al-Fatah al-Bahan, had sided with civilians and created the Transitional Military Council, the TMC, right? TMC, which would be in power for the next three years before they uh, give power back to the people. So that's what they want to call a transitional government so what happened after that so that was in april so civilians protested taking to the streets and picketing outside military officers in khartoum the capital of sudan pro-democracy groups say they want elections to be held and civilian-led political parties in charge instead of this transitional military council they had a peaceful sit-in uh where they sat uh, at the Uh, I think defense headquarters on June 3rd, uh, where the rapid support forces uh, decided to gun a whole lot of them down. There are a lot of reports of the rape of women, children, and men. uh, And the Transitional Military Council uh, is being accused of dumping bodies in the Nile River to play down the rising death toll. So... Previous to that massacre, massacre, there were some talks between the ruling generals, like the Transitional Military Council and the uh, Forces for Freedom and Change Coalition, which is the opposition, um, and how they wanted to establish a government going forward, right? You then had that big massacre and then the government talks and the opposition talks for how they would handle a transitional government totally broke down. Um we have also had uh, Ethiopia propose um, 
uh, ha- do a proposal. We've had Ethiopia do a proposal to end the political deadlock over the company of the co- over the composition of the country's transitional government, uh, the transitional military council and the opposition coalition. Uh, sorry, blah blah blah. Um, so the uh, transitional military council rejected Ethiopia's proposal, which involved seven military people in the council and seven civilians in the council and one additional uh, uh, neutral person. Um, and that was rejected. However, the trans, uh, Transitional Military Council spokesperson said that they agree in principle with the African Union plan. The African Union plan. Um, but we don't know what the African Union plans are, and nobody does. Or at least we don't. The media doesn't, which is uh, a big problem, right? Huge problem. Um, so that's, that's the situation we're in now. A good thing actually happened about a few hours ago, um, which is that Sudan's ruling military pledged to release all imprisoned anti-government rebels as a step towards talks to end long-running insurgencies in Defer and the country's south. So that means they're releasing some like political prisoners from the opposition. That might be an act of good faith, but it might just be totally empty words, right? We don't really know. Now, a couple of other things to keep in mind is that Saudi Arabia and the UAE are... and Egypt both support the military government. Um, Saudi Arabia and the UAE United Arab Emirates have pledged $3 billion in financial and material support to Sudan. Um, But, um, you know, that's also because I think Sudan is supporting Saudi Arabia's war and UAE war in Yemen. Uh, So there's a bit of geopolitics there. the other thing I'd say is that the Sudanese professionals associations are preparing for mass demonstrations on June 30 to demand the handover of power to civilians. Uh, this demonstration would mark the 30th anniversary of the coup that brought former President Bashar al-Basir to power in 1989, toppling last, Sudan's last elected government. Now, a big problem with this story is the lack of our access to information because after that massacre, um, the government blacked out all internet and media, Right. There's only there's a recent story about one civilian taking the internet company to court this week, and he's as far as I'm aware uh, the only civilian in Sudan with internet. The only other people with internet is the government. Uh, so there's no media access, uh, no internet access for people. Uh, it's it's a real uh, it's a real mess, and it's very hard to make sense of this story right now. What we do know is that a lot of people are dead. Uh, a lot of people are dead. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's there's whispers about people not being able to leave their house in Khartoum because you had the military in there who will just kill and rape anyone who goes outside. Um, so there's uh, a post that was slowly spreading through Instagram was give Sudan, uh, give Sudan the same energy you all gave the empty building in Paris, uh, which is a sentiment uh, I fully support. And if you remember... Long time listener, when we talked about the uh, what is it, the Notre Dame Cathedral yeah. burning down, we said oh, it's not that important, we much more care about people. But uh, you get a thing like Sudan, the Sudan massacres, when they come out, uh, it gets hardly any media coverage. Mm. Good question as to why. Yeah, I think um, obviously it is a very messy story that we're still uh, waiting for a lot of information that probably won't come for some time. I think um, the people that have gone uh, to Instagram um, and like expressed these sentiments, I'm happy about. 
but I'm hoping that this sort of sentiment is carried on and isn't just like a sort of one week thing where you change your Instagram profile picture to a blue screen and then don't really uh, like care about the story or don't really uh, act upon your feelings. I think that um, this story isn't going to be resolved quickly. I think that there needs to be uh, continuous empathy um, for civilians in Sudan. And I'm just hoping that sort of it isn't just sort of this slacktivism, I think is what it's called, mm. and that uh, we can all actually sort of band together to help and like try to make a difference rather than just sort of changing our Instagram profile pictures. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, there's not a lot we can not a lot we really do. can do. Yeah. Uh, particularly because we don't know a lot about the situation, uh, and this also occurs in the context of uh, an often very messy Africa. Um, yeah. And Africa like, has a lot of countries with a lot of problems. Yeah, and I think yeah, it was probably a couple of months ago in Nigeria where a hundred. Uh, I'm not sure how many, but yeah. a, a huge number of Christians. Yeah. Well, Nigeria is the home of. Uh, Boko Haram, if if I'm correct, which is a pretty legit terrorist group, um, who love to kill a lot of people and uh, kidnap girls uh, right out of their dormitories. Um, but um, no, definitely keep an eye on it. I'm looking forward to see if the protests have any uh, results on June 30. I'm also looking forward to see uh, what this African Union um, suggestion might be. Uh, South Sudan has also uh, offered to help mediate, um, and uh, I think I, you know, hoping for some, uh, hoping that it's, which it very might well be, but I'm hoping it's not just another military coup to put themselves in power. Um, it's not out of the question that they do want to hand power back to the civilians, um, but I would say it's probably not likely. Yeah, um, but you know, we will have to wait and see. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very messy. Will be ongoing. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's pretty much it for that one at the moment. Okay, so we always finish by tying up loose ends. Oh, well, I think you might be jumping oh. the gun a little bit. I think we need to. We have been sprinkling nominations throughout okay, the show. Okay, that's a good point. So I'm going to nominate for beta male of the week from the last two stories. I'm going to nominate Carrie Lam from Hong Kong who's the leader who didn't resign and didn't withdraw the bill. She just suspended it. I think she should have resigned if she, she, had, uh, she had a bit of common sense and uh, empathy, uh, but uh, she, she didn't. Um, and uh, There were a few more nominations. There was uh, from the Israel Flower story. There was GoFundMe, uh, especially their country manager, Nicola Britton. She'll get a... Well, the, the organisation itself will get one. Um, yeah. Kim, just, Kim Fox and her office, as well as uh, the beta male of the universe, Jussie Smollett, will also be getting one. Sorry, I cut you off just before. Um, I don't know who... Oh, we also gave one to the drone. The uh, What was the model of the, the, <laughs> the drone called? It was the RQ4A Global Hawk. The RQ4A Global Hawk drone gets a nomination. Well, I think because the trophy is called the Jussie... Smollett beta male trophy it's implicit that Jussie could get it every time and he's got it so many times that his name is on the trophy yeah 
the metaphorical trophy, but hope we might get a real life one at some point. Maybe once we get stuck in some of our Patreon money, we'll, we'll invest. We in have trophy. got some Patreon money. Shout out to our Patreons. You guys know who you are. Fair play to real you. Real ones. Um, and we're also going to have hopefully get some merch and a few different things going on soon in uh, early developments for logo and some branding materials. Yeah, got and I got some exciting stuff to, to bring to you guys soon. But um, anything? Uh, okay, who's the who's the beta male? Uh, I reckon um, I reckon we can give it to uh, what's the what did I just say there's Carrie Lam Carrie Lam Carrie Lam the uh, chief executive of Hong Kong yep I'm happy to do that honourable mention to GoFundMe honourable mention to GoFundMe and also the people who were sharing the uh, GoFundMe uh the, the, the normal people on Facebook who are saying that Israel should get taken down from GoFundMe. Yeah, they yeah. can also get an honourable yeah, mention. Yeah, I think uh, Drew Mitchell... Uh, Drew Mitchell gets Drew a... Drew Mitchell gets a, a nice commendation for his uh, work on the Israel flower. Yeah, he's trying hard to get beta male of the week, but just got <laughs> outdone by Carrie Lamb. Which is a shame, because he was a great player. <laughs> he was a great player. All right. Um, but we don't have no damn loose ends on this show. Yeah, we don't do loose ends. We don't, don't do, do loose that. ends. Not that's not we who we are. That's not who we want to be. And that's never who we will be. And if we do end up being that, then uh, feel free to take us down if we yeah. ever decide to of, leave out the loose ends. In the words of 21 Savage, told my brothers to take my life if I turned to a snitch. So don't no let us ends. do that. No, no loose ends. ends. All right. So I want to hear why Andy thinks that chicks who get that short haircut... Those, uh, those famous pop star chicks who get the short haircut, they go downhill real quick with when they get that short hair going. Yeah. Well, I've got three uh, prime case examples. Studies. Three prime case studies. The first of which being a bit of a trailblazer in this regard, Britney Spears. Um, Britney. I think that the cutting of the hair, the dyeing of it blonde, if it wasn't already blonde, is a uh, bit of a, a, a spearhead, a figurehead for... Uh, a little bit of mental derangement. Uh, I think it shows you're having a bit of a mental breakdown, that you're losing it a little bit, that you don't think you're like as much in the culture as you should be, um, which was uh, furthered by Miley Cyrus in her uh, stage of her... Uh, I think we all remember the glory days of Miley Cyrus uh, off the back of Hannah Montana when she dropped Party in the USA and was everyone's favourite home USA girl. track. Whenever it, it was a when summer it, anthem. Whenever it comes on at the party, everyone report to the goddamn dance floor. Time mm-hmm. for a little boogie. Um, so that's another case study. But uh, thankfully, Miley's come out of that uh, into sort of a, a, a renaissance period for her. I'd like to say, <laughs> um, and there's sort of be, but there'll forever be a dark spot on her resume where you have her uh, twerking at the VMAs, uh, pretty much sexually abusing uh, Robin Thicke. <laughs> It's a little bit of a smudge on the resume. And finally, uh, what actually brought this to my attention was Katy Perry. Um, she's had the, the uh, Captain Marvel for a while. And ever since she got it, she's completely lost any type of uh, fame. Well, any type of credibility as an artist. Clout. Any type of clout. And I think a lot of it is, um, especially when these people try to write their own songs, I think is a big thing. I've... Uh, in my experience with Katy Perry, she's most certainly not the sharpest tool in the shed. If you um, ever get the chance to look up her uh, like interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, my personal favourite one-liner is, uh, 
is science related to maths. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, it, she might mean well. I don't really know. I think she's probably just in it for a bit of cash. I'll, uh, um, her don't new, mind that. Her don't new, respect someone going out and making a bread. Her new song it just repeats, uh, I think, the phrase, it's never really over. And she uses over as a word to rhyme with over about four times over. <laughs> um, it's really quite a harsh listen. Um, so I think really it's a sign of a little bit of mental derangement, a little bit of a breakdown and insecurity that you're not part of the culture anymore. Uh, Katy Perry, maybe if you drop California Girls again, get us some fresh summer anthems, grow that, that beautiful black hair out again, I'll start loving you again. But stick to singing. Uh, try, try not to delve into songwriting would be my advice. And I think for those reasons, I'm very proud to say that there is a direct correlation between the Captain Marvel haircut and uh, <laughs> losing, just losing any credibility as an artist. All right. Well, you heard it straight from the man himself. You can tell us what you think about that down in the damn description. Uh, also, if you like us, you can check us out. We're kind of dividing up a little bit our platforms and what we like to do. Uh, it's still a bit of a process in development, but um, this will go out on our uh, iTunes we like to do like a lot of news stories and a couple of clips we'll share around on Facebook. YouTube's got some clips from our interviews and also extended periods, uh, sorry, extended interviews, like uncut interviews. Uh, when we get guests on, we, we film it and put a bit more effort uh, into those videos. Got some big, big interviews this week and next week. Uh, and I'll let you know, uh, you know, don't want to count the chickens before they hatch, but they're big developments. Um, and then, uh, so check us out on, on Facebook and, and Instagram as well. We, we put up some stuff on Instagram. Our Instagram's popping. Um, and uh, if you really, really like the podcast, feel free to support us on Patreon as little as a dollar a month. Um, get in that little Patreon community. It's good community to be in. We remember the day ones. Um, and some big behind-the-scenes things as, as well, which I can't quite disclose yet, but they could be very fun and exciting. Even so much behind the scenes that I don't even know about it. Andy doesn't even know about it. Uh, it's that much under the wrap. And that's where we leave you with today. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.